0: Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Friday here on Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs. Today is November 6th, 2020. We are just days away from week 9. Against the Arizona Cardinals, today's show we're going to talk specifically about how the Dolphins craft the game plan to beat the Arizona Cardinals. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. It's the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi. Made for football watching. Speaking of crafting a winning game plan, if you are looking for a winning Dolphins fan cave for you or your loved ones, our friends at Nyko Sports have just the thing. A Tua Tungavailoa commemorative football. This thing is beautiful. Action shot of Tua. Franchise accolades. His collegiate accolades. Hard Rock Stadium on one of the panels of the ball. It really is something that if you're looking at this 2020 season as a launch point, right, for what comes next for the Dolphins, and we're all excited about the next chapter of Miami. If you're looking for something to remember the 2020 season as the beginning of that, this Nike Sports commemorative football for Tua Tagovailoa might be it. Limited edition, 2,020 these things, $99 piece. Two different ways that you can order and add this to your collection. You can call 1-800-345-2868, or you can visit Nikosports.com, that's N-I-K-C-O-Sports.com, and mention the Locked On Dolphins podcast, and grab yours today. We are game planning today on the show. We're looking at the Dolphins and Cardinals, each side of the football. Where do the Dolphins have winning formulas? What can they do to make the most of their opportunities against Arizona? It's kind of a complex question, right? Offensively, the Arizona Cardinals sporting Kyler Murray, very challenging proposition. Uh, Mobile quarterbacks have been challenging for the Dolphins in the past. Uh, I don't necessarily know that this team is going to want to run true spy against him. So let's start there. Let's start when Arizona has a football. It is the NFL's most productive offense from a yards perspective versus the NFL's top scoring defense, Cardinals offense, Dolphins defense. What would I like to see the Dolphins try to do in this football game to come up with a winning formula? I think it will be drastically different than what you saw the Dolphins attempt and succeed to do against Jared Goff. Miami ran a ton of zero blitz against Goff, or simulated blitzes with zero shell on the back end, uh, to force the ball to come out quickly and to take advantage of some Lack of ideal athleticism from Jared Goff as a passer when he's pressured and forced to throw off-platform. Kyler is kind of the inverse of that. He gives you a lot of talent with his legs. He gives you a lot of natural ability with his arm to throw from all different kinds of angles, put balls in places that he really shouldn't. So, instead of trying to blitz Kyler, I think the Dolphins adopting more of a contain rush against Kyler force him to beat you from within the pocket because he's most dangerous when he uses his legs he's most dangerous when he gets outside the pocket and can throw on the move he's got a really good arm all the way around but the Dolphins have some big old bodies on the trenches that if you contain rush this guy and you make him at five nine and a half stand in the pocket and survey the field and throw with touch particularly to the intermediate areas of the field in which he has to throw the ball up to get it over top of the first level of the defense and get it over top of his blockers and the defenders in the pocket, but then throw with touch to get it down behind the second level of the defense, the linebackers in coverage, that ball trajectory has to be kind of funky. So that was kind of one of the knocks on, on Kyler at Oklahoma as well, is if you force him into the middle of the field, throw him in the pocket, his accuracy really takes a dip because that the, the math of that, the, the geometry of that, it's challenging for that ball flight path to leave his hand, get up over top of bodies in a hurry, and throw it with touch to get it down behind the linebackers while still throwing it with velocity. That's what I'd like to see the Dolphins do. Take advantage of the wingspan of Emmanuel Agba. Take advantage of the size of Raquan Davis, Christian Wilkins. These are big guys right? Don't let him flush the A-gaps. Contain him, stay patient outside, force him to beat you within the pocket. That for me is the number one key for Miami defensively to have success against the Cardinals. Other areas that I look, I'm putting Byron Jones on DeAndre Hopkins. I understand Xavier Howard's got the interceptions, but Byron Jones is the Dolphins' best athlete in secondary. And he's a freakish, height, weight, speed, agility athlete. I don't need him to pluck two interceptions against Kyler when he's targeting DeAndre Hopkins. I need whoever's going to stay the most sticky to stay on that dude the entirety of the game. That for me is Byron Jones. Uh, Hopkins has, he's the NFL's most productive NFL receiver at this point as far as, like, receptions per game and yards per game. He's leading the NFL, or at least he was before Devontae Adams went off last night. I don't know if Adams passed him or not. For yardage per game. For me, that is priority B. Is You have to force guys like Larry Fitz and Christian Kirk, and if Kenyon Drake doesn't play, then Chase Edmonds, Those have to be the dudes that you charge with beating you. You cannot let DeAndre Hopkins get over top and big boy you. Tough task, but that's why you go out and you pay Byron Jones the contract you paid him, to be up for these challenges. And another area that I think is interesting, that I think is worthwhile conversation, if I'm the Dolphins, this Cliff Kingsbury offense really does not use tight ends, like, at all, really. Uh, I believe they're the NFL's most frequent 10 personnel grouping. Uh, it was the Bills earlier in the season. I believe it's now the Arizona Cardinals, which is four wide receiver sets. Spread space to field. I'm taking Eric Rowe, and I'm putting him on Larry Fitz. Rowe's had a lot of success in coverage against tight ends to this point in the season. That's effectively what Larry Fitzgerald has become, a big slot. Not dissimilar to some of the athletic tight ends that he's had a lot of success covering. Because as Larry has slowed down, he's lost some of his burst and separation on the outside to separate against outside receivers. You put that guy instead against linebackers and safeties, and because of his ball skills, contested catchability, he's going to cook a lot of guys and win a lot of routes in there. So I'm taking Eric Rowe, and instead of, you know, you're on tight end duty this week, I'm personally playing Eric Rowe and trying to get him wins against Larry Fitzgerald in coverage. That for me is a one, two, three-point punch list checklist for the Dolphins to have success in this football game defensively. Arizona is going to get their yards. That's an unfortunate byproduct. So think about the Seattle game, right? The script of the Seattle game. We got to five minutes left in the football, seven minutes left in the football game. Seattle had a ton of yards, and Seattle had seventeen points. That's the hope for Miami. And then you hope Kyler doesn't do what Russ did to you and go down the field in five plays and score a touchdown and then have your quarterback down nine, throw an interception to set them up on a short field for them to score a touchdown and blow the thing wide open with three and a half left in the game. That script was there for Miami, but Russ was Russ, and then Miami had a turnover. 17 points through 52 minutes with a lot of yards. I would expect something similar in this game from the Dolphins. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi. Made for football watching. Offensively. The Dolphins did not have a very good performance in Week 8 against the Rams. I think we can all agree upon that, but I do think there were plenty of good individual reps that could be extrapolated to point to as and indicate that the improvement is not so far off that it's insurmountable. Obviously, Ted Karras said it best. If you heard Ted Karras on the, the mic'd up from Dolphins, uh, with Tua to him wearing a mic for Week 8, his first start. And he said, hey, we played 17 snaps in the first half coming off the bye in your first start. It's a win. Win is a win. Got to savor him when you get him. And I don't disagree with Ted on that front. Um, I thought Tua showed some really nice things with his progressions and, and his eyes and moving across the field. Uh, I know Dan Orlovsky, I don't know if he... I didn't see the NFL Live, but Dan Orlovsky posted a video on uh, Twitter yesterday talking about two specific plays from Tua in this football game that when I charted, the game jumped off at me as well. Uh, the one being the throw to Mike Gesicki, The other one, the 15-yard completion on the touchdown drive that he threw to Jakeem Grant, which was a three-man route combo. Uh, they did seven-man protection. And they ran post-corner to the left side of the field. And Jakeem was on deep comeback on the right side of the field as an iso route. So the Rams run some blended coverage, which they did a ton of. And to his eyes, work the scissors concept to the left side. And he comes all the way back across and on time throws the ball with zip to Jakeem on the money. Plays like that, tell me. Okay, he's comfortable working the full field. There were more than more than those two occasions of Tua's eyes working the full field. So it's not like, okay, we only can run half field reads, and we can only like that's not the problem with the offense. Was encouraged to hear that the the skill players took time with Tua uh, to work on their timing after practice this week. I think it's necessary. Uh, I think they'll get better there. It's kind of like starting all over. It was what we talked about with the chang offense in general at the beginning of the season. One of the concerns was, well, the, everybody talks about how Chans gives you the opportunity to freelance your routes, it's more about timing. Well, first two weeks of the season, the Dolphins, it took them about six quarters to get their feet under them from a timing perspective offensively. Let's hope it takes another six quarters at most... For the Dolphins with a new quarterback, now that all the receivers are familiar with the timing of the offense, to kind of get back into in lock and step. Because for much of that game, generally speaking, they weren't great with timing. But what can the Dolphins do against the Cardinals specifically? I think one thing that would benefit them is getting Tua some easy throws early on in the football game. Obviously, we all would have loved to have seen Tua come out throw for 320 yards in his first start, four touchdowns, and the Dolphins wouldn't blow up. Didn't happen. Okay, so now let's continue instilling confidence in Tua by getting getting him a couple completions early on that, you know, helped build the confidence and the swagger. He got the first hits out of the way last week. Now let's kind of start to, okay, we're going to let you cook a little bit. So whether that is this, they ran it three, four times against the Rams. It's this 12 personnel, twin wide receiver, Devontae's in the slot. They run double slants, RPO concept. Sometimes they pull the guard around and do some power action with it. Mike Isecki is typically a nasty split, which means he's isolated by himself as a tight end, two-point stance on the line of scrimmage within five yards of the end man and offensive on the line of scrimmage. And they did it down the red zone against the Jets. And Mike ran a route and they gave the ball. And like if Mike had blocked, they would have scored a touchdown. And ever since they've just kind of kept Mike in and they just convert him. And it's a full half field to the right. You're blocking to the left. You're running double slants to you got the read. That can be a very money play for the Dolphins. Would like to see that continue to be a money play for the Dolphins. I'd like to see that. That was last week on Power to the Pod before the Rams game. They asked me, what's your play call? What's your first play call for snap number one of the two era? And that was what I said. I want to continue to see that concept because the double slants – Tua did a nice job navigating and and working to a second window to Preston as the outside, the second slant, and put it low for him to go down and dig the ball out for the completion against the Rams. Easy throws. Roll the pocket. Kind of tight end leak out into the flat. They had Durham Smythe. They hit on one of these. Uh, They worked a deep concept. And Smythe, from across the set, he kind of went with split zone action. Um... As if he was going to block the MN on the line of scrimmage. Everybody on the offensive line stepped down. And instead of blocking, he just kind of leaked out and Tua hit him on the rollout. Things like that. Simple, very elementary reads. But get him some completions early. I do think that is important. Speaking of getting it early. Have you ordered your Tua Tonga-Vailoa commemorative football from our friends at Nyko Sports? If not... You can visit Sports, Sports.com or call 1-800-345-2868 to get one of these commemorative, there's only 2,020 of them, Tua Tungavailoa commemorative Miami Dolphins football, help yourself bolster your Dolphins fan cave, much in the same way we are hoping the Dolphins bolster Tua's confidence this upcoming weekend against the Cardinals with some easy completions early on. That's com or 1 800 345 2868 to place your order for one of these limited edition commemorative Tuatanga Vailoa footballs for just $99. I do think an additional note uh, for the Dolphins offense would be to if you're going to be without Matt Breida and you know you're going to be without Miles Gaskin. You're probably gonna need to have Patrick Laird be the primary back this week. get Jordan Howard will be active. Jordan Howard will probably command reps inside the ten yard line and third and short. But if you want to have as little interruption, service interruption into your offense and the infrastructure and the way that it works, I think you have to have Patrick Laird be the guy because he, like Miles Gaskin, not an overly powerful guy. He's a capable pass catcher. He's gotten reps and twenty personnel. He he showed to be a competent runner last year uh, when Miami in their few chances to get things cooking on the offensive line. He's not going to make reads at the line of scrimmage and, and press the line of scrimmage and find holes as persistently as what Miles Gaskin has. But Miles didn't do that overly well in week eight anyway. So, if I'm the Dolphins, for the sake of keeping everything else as regular as possible in the offensive line, Patrick Laird is probably going to be my RB1 for this week. My last note here continue to move Devontae Parker around. This was a note from last week in anticipation of Jalen Ramsey following around Devontae Parker. We obviously didn't see that materialize. We also didn't really see a very prominent game from Devontae Parker. Perhaps that was because of whatever lingering issues he may have had with the the groin injury or whatever. Uh, He's not on the injury report this week, so that's promising. That looks great. But the Dolphins did move Devontae Parker around on a handful of times. And two instances in particular off the right side that flashed as, and those could have been some nice plays. One of them was a nice play. It was the touchdown. They moved Devontae in short motion to stack behind another receiver. and He released inside and caught the touchdown pass on the slant free release because he was in motion, so he was off line of scrimmage. Miami had another third down early in the game against the Rams, which they tried to run kind of a, a hot or a smoke tunnel screen in which Devontae Parker motioned down to shorten the throw at the snap. Tua and he were just not on the same page for where that throw was supposed to be and it went incomplete and they had to punt the ball. But moving your best offensive weapon around at the snap will allow him opportunities to get free releases and I think that's a good thing. And especially with a young quarterback, allowing him to see that developing quicker I also think is a good thing. So that's how I would choose to attack both offense and defense if I were sitting in on some of the the game planning for Miami, just kind of looking at these two teams and knowing what their strengths and weaknesses are. So hope you guys enjoyed. I hope we have an enjoyable football game to watch. Remember, it's a late game on Sunday afternoon. So enjoy the 1 o'clock slate before the Dolphins kick off. Uh, We're going to root against the Texans. We're going to root against the Bills. We all know what we're rooting for. Uh, So keep it dialed in. Keep it locked in right here on Lockdown Dolphins. Look forward to talking to you guys on Monday after the game. Thanks so much for listening as always, and enjoy your weekends.